0: Thank you, brother. Yes, thank you everyone for being here. Thank you for those songs, Gussies. Thank you also for the children's lesson, the Bible study, the other songs that we sang. Really appreciate the service so far. So welcome here. The message I have to share with you this morning is called The Vision of Valley Christian Fellowship. The Vision of Valley Christian Fellowship. So if you ask the question, what is the vision of the congregation here? How would we describe who we are? How would we talk to somebody else outside these walls? Um, that's a little bit the burden. How would I describe this to someone that is uh, unfamiliar with us? Or maybe it's to our own people, the members that are here, but just I never heard really anybody give a clear vision of of really who we are and what we believe. Now, a few months ago, we went through the statement of faith. This is not to replace that. This is, uh, you know, if, if someone wanted to know about our church, we would still hand them that statement of faith that we have and say, this tells you a little bit about ourselves, tells you who we are. But... Um, so this is this is maybe just a little bit of a not quite so in depth, not quite so in detail, but maybe a, a bird's eye overview of who we are, what we believe, and probably the biggest uh, thing I would say about this message is that it's it's for those who are not part of us. Maybe those who are who are maybe visiting for a while and saying, "Hey, I'm still debating. Do I want to become part of this church or not?" and there's uh things I don't yet know and questions I still have, and maybe, hopefully, this message can answer some of those questions. Maybe it can inspire those of us that have been here longer, those that are, that are members here to reaffirm, clarify, maybe even to lead. Maybe this message, if it's recorded, could even be a reference point that we could, you know, hand to somebody. I don't know if it's... uh Maybe we'll have to talk about that later. But to just say, how, how, what are we about? What is this gathering? What are we here for? What's the, the purpose? How does it compare to other groups? There's lots of Christian groups in this world, even right here in this town or within a few miles of us. How do we compare to them? How do we contrast with them? How are we different from them? And, uh, you know, these are things that if, if someone is, is thinking about coming here, joining this church... You know, to avoid the dilemma of saying down the road, I never knew that about this church. That's That That would be, you know, a, not a good thing, a negative thing for somebody to come and join and make a commitment and then a few years down the road, oh, I just never knew that. I never knew that that's what you guys believed. Hopefully this can help with that dilemma, at least a little bit. So let's talk about where do we get this thing called our vision? What I'm going to share with you this morning, where am I getting this from? That's probably the question that you're you're having. So I'm going to put on the board, I'm just going to put up here a circle with a V in it. That stands for vision. That's the vision that I'm going to attempt to share with us today. But where did that come from? What is it that feeds into? V could also stand for various because there are various voices speaking into the vision that I'm going to describe is the vision of Valley Christian Fellowship. First of all, feeding into this, we have the original decisions that were made when this church was formed, 13 years ago, something like that. When we made a decision, we're going to regroup, start as a, as a, as a congregation, uh, start over maybe. And what is our what, what, do we, what did we decide at that point? That wasn't the end of the road, though, because in the meantime, there's been other things. There's been conversations with all of you, one-on-one conversations, group conversations. There's been brothers' meetings. We've had decisions that were made. I've had discussions with my fellow ministers, and we've talked, you know, how do we want to lead? So that all plays into this thing of vision and and, and what we have. There are also things and practices, convictions that have sort of arisen organically, I would say, not necessarily ever been a formal decision. This is how we're going to do things, but they have developed, they have become convictions. Those things play into this as well. And um, so there's, there's all these, these influences that are part of us as a group and... They all play into this thing that we call the vision of Valley Christian Fellowship, and so that's what I'm going to try to share. We're, let's uh, we'll we'll try to pass that on to you. Maybe it could be maybe there'll be questions. It's going to be interesting. I don't know that Jeremy knew what I was going to preach about when he asked Benjamin to summarize this. So I guess we'll see how this goes. Good luck, Benjamin. Um, but uh, what would I say is as we start here. And just say, what would be point number one for the vision of Valley Christian Fellowship? Well, I'm going to start here. Revelation 4.11, we are here for the glory of God. That's the purpose we exist. That's the purpose all creation exists. So how much more should it be our purpose as we meet here Valley Christian Fellowship? We're here for the glory of God. That's the purpose. We exist. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. That's why we're here. Point number two. We are servants of Jesus Christ. If you were to describe what is true Christianity, what would you say? Christianity is a relationship. This is what we believe. It's a relationship with Jesus And it's not just any relationship. It's not just talking about him and saying, I really get a warm, fuzzy feeling when I think about Jesus. That's not the essence of Christianity, even though that may be part of Christianity. It's a relationship with Jesus that's characterized by love for him and faith in him and obedience to him. That's the kind of relationship Jesus wants us to have with him. So we obey his commands. We're loyal to his kingdom. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. He established a kingdom. We're a light to those around us, holding forth the word of life. I think it's in Philippians that says that. We hold this out to those around us. We shine a light into the darkness of the, of the world we live in. So we are servants of Jesus Christ. Number three, we are conservative Anabaptists. Now maybe you don't. I don't know what you think of that word Anabaptist. There's other words you could use if you don't like that word. I'm fine with that word. I like that word. It's uh, it, it, there's there's meaning behind it. Conservative Anabaptist. But there's another there's 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 another term you might like as well. It's called Kingdom Christians. If you want to know what that means, read uh, David Berceau's book. He 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 refers to that. I don't know if he coined that term, but I suspect maybe he did. And it's been a descriptive term for ever since that book was written about 20 years ago on what is a kingdom Christian, a person who believes that Jesus established a separate kingdom. You could also call it uh, sermon on the Mount believers. That's another way to describe this group of people. The pilgrim church would be a fourth way to describe at least a body of beliefs and practices. They're not totally synonymous, but they are somewhat synonymous with each other. But a separate, voluntary group of people committed to Jesus and His commands. When I say voluntary, it's not forced. It's people choosing to become part of it. Back during the Reformation, there was a forced Christianity. Forced in that before this baby could make any choices at all, he was baptized into the Catholic Church. He was baptized into the Protestant Church. He was baptized into, you know, whatever the church was. I suppose if you would have went East, it would have been the Eastern Orthodox Church. But they were, they didn't have a choice. But Anabaptism or Kingdom Christianity is a voluntary choice. It's a group of people who have voluntarily chosen to commit themselves to Jesus and His commands. And so in doing that, we reject the Constantinian hybrid. So, what's that mean? Uh, Let me describe the Constantinian hybrid. I'm going to describe it briefly. Once again, if you want a more complete description of the Constantinian hybrid, uh, that book I just referenced, Day of the Kingdom That Turned the World Upside Down, go read chapter 24. There's a really good uh, description. But basically... For the first 300 years of Christianity, people were committed to Jesus and his commands. He gave them in the Sermon on the Mount. They were different from commands back in the Old Testament. It hath been said. But I say unto you, and for 300 years, Christians believed that. Jesus had different teachings about certain things than what the Old Testament taught. Different teachings about loving enemies and non-resistance. Different teachings about swearing oaths than what the Old Testament said. Different teachings about wealth than what the Old Testament said. And different teachings about divorce and remarriage than what the Old Testament said. And Christians held to those things for 300 years. Until the time of Constantine, he created a hybrid. And this hybrid said, we're going to keep... New Testament theology and rituals, but we're going to reach back into the Old Testament and use their morals and merge the two, and that created the Constantinian hybrid. Or you could say it another way, we're going to take the church as an institution and merge it with the government as an institution and create the hybrid that way. Same hybrid, different ways of putting it together, but it came out to the it came out the same way. And so now from Constantine forward, you had this hybrid that would back up to the Old Testament to find out whether it's okay for a believer to go to war or not. But we would have communion as practiced in the New Testament. We would get rid of the Old the, the Um. We go back to the Old Testament for our teachings on divorce and wealth and oaths, but we'd reach up into the New Testament to, you know, decide, uh, you know, what, who we believe in, Jesus as our sacrifice. We wouldn't any longer sacrifice animals like the Old Testament. So that's the hybrid, a mixture of the two. They would use, now they could use the power of the sword to force their way on others and that was the hybrid. So we reject it. As a church here, as conservative Anabaptists, as kingdom Christians, as Sermon on the Mount believers, we reject that Constantinian hybrid, that joining of church and state. And we take our morality from Jesus, just like, or at least we're trying to. We don't do it perfectly, but that's our goal, to do that like the early Christians did. Okay, number four. We believe in commitment. To the local body. Now we call it church membership here. We call it, uh, yeah, we, that's the term that we use. Church membership. It doesn't have to be that term. Other groups have used other t- uh, terms, but it's a commitment to the body. Other churches may call it something else, uh, yeah, but we believe it's a healthy part of church life. We believe it's a to, to commit to a local body is a, is a healthy part of the Christian life. It's a good thing. It's it should be a goal. We could put a timeline on the board here, and you know, just as, as we've watched many believers, we, we start, you know, somewhere in here with uh, people, somebody will come, they'll start visiting, maybe they'll just visit one time here, and that's, that's it, and by the way, all the visitors that are here, you're, we are so glad you're here, you're welcome here, it's good to have you, and then time goes on, and you know, maybe it's one or two Sundays, and that's it, that's all we ever see of them, maybe it's 10 or 20 or more than that Sunday, but, but, but eventually there's this point in time that there's a commitment made. They said, I want to be part of you. I want to commit myself to your body here. This, this thing of, of, uh, church membership. And at that point it, it becomes clear then who is, uh, you know, who, who the, uh, for the, for the members, who is their pastor? And for the pastor, who are the members? Who is it that I'm watching for their souls as they, they must give an account? And, and that, that's, you know, that's, it's, uh, it's it's a right thing. Hebrews chapter thirteen it talks about. So who are we watching for, and who are we not watching for? Who have said no thanks? I'm not ready for that yet. And so that point in time, that cross point on the on the timeline, is that point in in, in in at which a Christian, somebody who has made a commitment to Jesus, joins themselves to a local body. All right. And it doesn't have to be with us. There's other groups that do it different than us. They have their own way of making a commitment. And, uh, and we totally respect that and honor that. But we, we encourage people. See this, this journey that we're taking from wherever you're on here. Let me back up just a moment and say whatever This journey is, whether a person walks with us this long, whether they work with, walk with us this long, whether they walk with us this long, whether they walk with us the rest of their life, our goal is, here at Valley Christian Fellowship, to make your time with us a blessing. A time that draws you closer to Jesus. A time that, that, that helps you understand more of His kingdom and His glory. And, and, you know, and there's, I suppose I haven't counted how many people are here, but if you go back through the whole history of our church, there's been, if if everybody that ever came would have stayed, it'd be, we'd pack this place out. There'd be no way we could get everybody in here. So we've had a lot more people that have come and gone than have come and stayed. However, when we make, we encourage this choice, we sure hope you stay. That's the, that's the goal. So here's the, here's the encouragement. This encouragement to keep walking this direction, not to stop. That's an encouragement that we give with patience. We say, you know, we understand there's questions you might have. We understand the Anabaptist worldview is new to many people. We understand that learning this worldview, it can can take time and it's not always clear. But our encouragement is don't stop don't stop moving this direction don't stop getting closer and closer to this goal right here and that's a gun that's that's not a, that's not only a goal that's that's not only a beginning sorry it's not only an end but it's also a beginning and so again hopefully that you'll find your your way with us but again find your way somewhere for sure to meet to make make that commitment it's a healthy part of the christian life number 5 let me, let me, say one more thing. The commitment to walk beside you is something that I had heard. We heard this from a sermon. I think J- brother Jeremy shared with it. He says, you know, be ready to walk beside people that are in this, in this journey and to both walk beside and give patience, but also to encourage. Now he used a word. He, he says, he, he says, he says, no, he says, don't loiter. Loitering would be, you know, stopping and saying, hey, I'm just, I'm done. I'm coming about as close as I can and that's it. You know, uh, stores sometimes have these signs that say no loitering, you know, and so he just said, keep moving. And that's that's my heart here. Just, just keep moving in that direction. Keep moving in the direction of that commitment. It is, it is a good thing. It's a healthy thing. When the Bible talks about those relationships, it's not given a negative thing there. It's given a good thing. So we encourage that. Number five. We want to, here at Valley Christian Fellowship, we want to avoid a love of the world. 1 John 2, verses 5 and 6, let's all quote that together. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the Father, I'm sorry, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are not of this father but are of the world that's why I had you help me i wasn't sure i could do it myself okay the, so thank you for that the what does that mean then to love the world or to not love the world well it gives a little synopsis there those verses we quote it talks about the love of the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the pride of life, lust of the flesh, we know what that is. I mean, there's the food and the drink, all the bodily appetites, the immorality that is so prevalent, the lust of the eyes. I've heard ministers describe this differently, but it would strike me as being the, you know, all the possessions that the world has to offer, the pride of life, all the glamour and the, 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 you know, the, the pride, the, the, well, when people become famous, I've heard it, people say, you know, the, younger people are they they tend to more gravitate toward the lust of the flesh and as they get older up into middle age they're they're going for the lust of the eyes you know the possessions and once they get to be older they're thinking well who's going to remember me when i'm gone and so they gravitate toward the pride of life they're trying to make a name for themselves i don't know if that's a that's i'm sure that's not a hard and fast rule but that's uh, you know that's one way of looking at it but this is the world now If I would mention a word here, I wonder what would come to your mind. The word conservative. And then the opposite to that word would be the word liberal. Conservative and liberal. Those things mean different things. I'm going to make a statement that says we at Valley Christian Fellowship have a desire to gravitate, to move in a conservative direction. The problem is with me saying that, it could be confusing to you. There was a man who called us on the billboard the other day. He said, I saw on your website... The word conservative, you're going to refer your callers to conservative churches. Well, he knows what conservative means. That means Republican. So you're going to, you're trying to get people to move toward Republicanism. Oh, no, you missed. (laughs) Sorry. You didn't get the right picture here. Conservative has various meanings. All right. Um, It's... How shall I say it here? When it it, it sometimes means hearkening back to that which is before, that which is old, the things that came before—you know, before they started moving—that's where we're aiming for. Again, that's not that's not totally uh, clear there either. But within the—you know—within the probably the churches that we are familiar with most people have an idea what conservative is. And again, conservative Anabaptist is different than conservative Baptist or conservative Protestant or conservative Republican. It's different than that. and And it has to do in our setting with what do we do with the world and all the things that are in the world? How do we guard against it? And I want to just draw a line here. Again, these are things that I feel like if somebody is looking at our church and saying, do we want to be part of this? I think it's healthy for you to know that this is something we're not scared of. We're not scared of the word conservative. And that has to do, too, with how we relate to other churches. You know, if, if well, we all probably know churches that are more, I'll use the word conservative, then I'll qualify. Conservative, but I could say restrictive. We know churches that are more restrictive than where I am personally, or you are personally in your Christian life, you also know ones that are more liberal, more free, more free to do whatever. And so Mike, here's, here's, here's a, here's something I want to point out. Just examine your own heart. If you feel, when you think of groups that are more restrictive than yourself, if you feel a, a feeling of disdain toward groups that are like that, if you feel disdain toward other groups that are making efforts to deal with worldliness in ways that you haven't felt called to deal with it, then, then maybe this, this congregation it wouldn't be a real fit for you. That's, that's, that's the type of thing we're not trying to go toward. We're not trying to foster that feeling of disdain for others who are trying. And and that's something that can be dealt with if you say, yeah, oh, I kind of sense that in my spirit. Okay, deal with it. That's, that's fine. Uh, But but here's the thing, one of the ways to look, I appreciate looking at that, when I see other groups that are trying to, let's say you see a group, you know, they've said, hey, we're not going to have cars at all, we're going to drive horse and buggy. It's pretty easy to feel disdain for them. Why in the world would they do that? That is really dumb. But now think about this. They live in the same world that we do. They live in a world that is their enemy, not their friend. They live in a world that John says to watch out for. And maybe you say, well, they they totally misunderstood what the world was. Okay, maybe. But either way, at the end of the day, they're trying to walk through a treacherous world and arrive at the other end faithful. And they're trying to deal with that. And they've tried to deal with it in ways that maybe I don't feel convicted to deal with. But can I at least give them the respect and say, they're trying. And I honor them for trying. And if they want some advice from me, I'd be glad to offer them whatever I have. I don't know what I would have, but I would be glad to. But the feeling of disdain toward them for the choices they've made is actually a kind of pride. And the Bible says, he that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall." And so when I foster disdain toward other groups that are, you know, doing things that I, I think shouldn't be, you know, that, that isn't really necessary, um, I, I guess be careful. Watch out. So Amen. let's, um, here's, here's something else I want to say about Valley Christian Fellowship. I don't know if you picked up on this. I think most of us kind of know this, but it's been very interesting, our journey in this whole area of conservative, dealing with the world and 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 so forth that this is not something this this conservative mindset a lot of churches i have known they they, they kind of divide up onto teams to keep this thing in balance and over on one end of this tug of war rope you have the ministers and the older members and then over in the other end you have the younger members and the you know the the the, the non-preachers and and they're pulling in two different directions These guys are pulling the conservative direction and these guys are pulling the liberal direction. As long as they pull about the same pressure, you keep the rope in about the right place. Here at Valley Christian Fellowship, it really hasn't been that way. It's been a lot more that the non-preachers, the younger ones, have been kind of pulling in the direction of conservatism about just as strongly as the older ones just as strongly as maybe the preachers have. So think about that. Is that something you want to be a part of? That's a, that's a good, 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 uh, something you need to know. Is that, are you willing to pull in that direction? Okay, number six. We believe in doing things together. I'm gonna to put these three, uh, three initials on the board. DTT. Doing things together. What do you mean by that? Well, some people call it culture. But then there's others that say, well, I don't know what you mean by culture. But what is it? If we use the word culture or DTT, doing things together, that's essentially what it means. Culture means you're, you're doing things together. So, so many groups of people have a culture. They've got a, a group of people, maybe they're geographically similar to each other, geographically together. They have a similar way to dress. They've got a similar way of, um, you know, the food they eat, the music they listen to, the recreation, the entertainment. uh, similar in maybe their educational emphases, and they create a culture. And the, you know, you you can even look at various cultures. You know, you have the cowboy culture. You know, they do things similar. You know, they all kind of have the same style of hats. And they're not the same hats that the farmers wear around here. They're different than that. They have the same style of boots. You know, they might be similar to the boots that people wear here, but they're different. Uh, belt buckles they got the and uh, hopefully they can also swing a rope and ride a bowl or whatever but at least they got some of those clothing things down and then you got the hippie culture and they don't look like the cowboy culture at all they got a different food style they got a different hair length they've got a different hat if they wear a hat hippie culture is different than the cowboy culture okay now is it possible to be a christian and to be part of one of those cultures i would say yeah it's possible is it part, is it possible to be, be a Christian and just not think about culture at all? Yeah, I'd say it's possible. But we believe that when we do things together, it does strengthen us. It does, it helps us. It, if, if, here's, here's our conviction here at Valley Christian Fellowship. If we don't provide our children with a culture or with a DTT, There's a whole bunch of people all around us just waiting. Hey, you're not going to give your children a culture? Great, we'll do it. And you got the American culture coming right in, right on your heels and say, no problem, if you're not going to give your own children a culture, we can. We'll take them to our high schools, and we'll take them to our sporting events, and we'll give them our entertainment. We can provide them with a culture. And that's what so often has happened when the DTT wasn't there. And so with these world's culture, the American culture, with all these things, there, we've got to deal with it. You see, when other cultures come in and offer their ideas, their ways of doing things, there's always baggage that comes along with it. And a lot of that baggage is anti-Christian. And so for us to say, we're going to have our own culture, and it's going to be a christian influence culture, is that a, is that a perfect way to avoid... Are children leaving and going into the world and going into sin and living for the devil? The answer is no, it certainly is not. Many people have left DTTs and said, I'm done with that. That was so, I was dumb, I didn't understand why they did those things and it was, I I just couldn't, I just couldn't get my mind around it. And in fact, the fact that there were DTTs made it almost worse for, they, they used that as a blame tool to point back at the groups that they left and say, We don't want anything to do with it. That has happened. That's common. And so is it perfect? The answer is no, it's not perfect. But there's a different question. Is it effective? And I think the answer is unquestionably yes. That when you look at groups who have not established any kind of DTTs, far more of their people have left and went into sin it's been it's there, there's a book that um John D martin wrote recently it's called to be or not to be plain that's a scary title now, but it 's real small it's real thin thought about trying to have one here for every family to hand out but anyway, to be or not to be plain he brings this out just okay if we want to call, if we want to have if we want to establish our own separate culture from the world or if we don't what are the ramifications long term if we do or if we don't so those are um Anyway, that's we believe, though, that it is good to do things together. It is, a, it is a good, it is a healthy thing. It's not a perfect thing, but it's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. It's an effective thing. So the question is, well, how do we accomplish this then? So, great, we believe in doing things together. Well, how are we going to ever get there? How are we going to get from not doing things together to doing things together? You know, there's two popular methods that have been employed to do this. And I'm just going to put method number one is in this box right here. Method number two is in this box right here. And in this box, there's going to be two columns. And this is called the may, may not method. Or the the. yeah, the, the may or may not method. Over here, you have the mays, and over here, you have the may not, all abbreviate. It's, uh, that's supposed to be an N. Okay, so may, may not. And so everything we do in life, we're going to put into one of these two categories. You may do this. You may not do this. This other one, we'll call it the sharing concerns model, sharing concerns. And when this one is employed, it's not so much telling people you may or you may not do it, but rather we share a concern. I see it like uh, Brother Bob already said this morning, you know, you see somebody that's in has a need, you walk and you share that concern. Hey, brother, I think, what about your Bible reading? What about, you know, this game that the youth are playing? What about this, uh, um, this type of music, whatever? We, we share concerns with each other. And then that person can go and they can think about it and they can marinate on that and they can pray about it and develop that concern for themselves. And so there are, by the way, both of these models, there are advantages to both of them. I mean, this one has the advantage. It's very clear. You may do this and everything in the may column, you can do it. No problem. Everything in the may not column, you just don't do it and you'll be fine. Um, that's the advantage of this one. The advantage of this one is it helps build convictions internally. People will as they think about what the, the concerns that are being shared eventually becomes part of who they are. It's not just because someone told them they have to. It's, uh, it, it's something that actually becomes part of their own conviction. Now we have seen different churches that have employed both of these two models. And when I say churches, I have to bring in another thing here. Not only churches, but you have Let's say an individual congregation. All these are congregations. And then they have different ways of, mull, uh, of pulling all these congregations together. So you have a church, 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 but then you have a group of churches. Okay. Now, among those various groups of churches, some of you have had experience. Maybe the conference style churches who gravitated toward the may, may not model and brought all of them together under that umbrella. And that's how they, that's how they that's how they h- held everything together. You have other groups that maybe each individual congregation would employ something, maybe, maybe some may, may not things, but the overarching, uh, you know, the thing that tied them together was more of a sharing concerns model. It, it, the congregations were united more on that level. And so, uh, Brother Carl has shared that the, uh, the Beachy churches, Beachy Amish churches are more the second way. You know, they're bound together in some ways, but it's more on a sharing concerns model. Some of you have heard about the, 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 the agape churches, the kind of a new group that uh, have been talked about. And it sounds like maybe they're going a little bit more of that model. Brother Mark just made this statement to me. He said, he said agape is not so much a, sh- a decision-making body as it is a sharing concerns body. Um, another one would be the Western Fellowship here locally. That, uh, it sounds to me like they are a little bit more united. They don't really have a written constitution as such, but they're more, they definitely have expectations. It's just not everything, nobody's ever written it down, I guess. So it's more of the sharing concerns model that has brought some of those congregations together. So there's, there's churches that have done that. Let me talk about the original charity churches. We, we are, we're kind of a descendant here at Valley Christian Fellowship of the original charity church back in Pennsylvania. And as I understand, that was a church that said something like this. They said, we see have seen too much abuse of this model right here, the may-may-not model. And so we're going to stay completely away from that. It's only going to be the sharing concern model at both levels. And this was Moe Stalsfuss, Denny Keniston, and I i obviously putting words into their mouth. I'm saying it as I understand it, and many people gravitated toward that. And it was, you know, there was there was uh, there was a lot of good fruit actually for quite a while. Good fruit, strong convictions. But eventually, there came a point where there was there were new members. There were weaker convictions. The the the, 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 the fruit was not so good in the next generation. And you know, by the end of their lives, both Moe's and Denny said, it just doesn't work in the long run to avoid completely this model right here. We did a lot of sharing concerns. We tried it. We tried to stay away completely from that. But in the, in the long run, it was, you know, with the new generation, we should have done things different. That was pretty much the consensus of at least the, the, the top leaders. And so, it's things like this. They said, the conservative Mennonites told us it wouldn't work. I think this was a quote by Denny. And he says, I'm beginning to think they were right. They said, we need to be more humble in relating to other churches who do things differently. And this was after looking at some of the fruit from their own young people. So what's our conclusion here at Valley Christian Fellowship? Our conclusion is, you know, that that at least some of this is okay and even necessary. Some of this may, may not model. Some of this saying, hey, let's do it together and let's all do it and, and, and let's, let's unite on it. Not only, do you, you know, it's, it's okay to have specifics. Not only to say, the Bible says dress modestly, go do it how you want, but rather be somewhat specific about it. We've said it's okay to do that. And, and so, how does that strike you? You need to know these things. This is, this is something we, we don't want any surprises. Not only do we say, hey, you know, we, we, we believe in the head covering as defined in 1 Corinthians uh, 11. But, uh, you know, we, but let's all do it together. Let's, let's, uh, let's stick to, you know, not a whole wide range of styles, but, but a few styles, or maybe even just one style. Uh, we, you, you know, these, these are things, again, that it's only fair to know. If you're looking for a church, some people are. You're looking for a church that doesn't have any standards, May may not. I don't want any of that. I, I'm, I'm I'm running from that. Well, okay, that's not us. We're not we're not the ones that are running from that. Okay, and I don't think anybody else is here either. But I just it's it's only fair to 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 uh, be honest about this. Um, however, having said that, having said that, we see that this is necessary. Sometimes we also see the beauty, the power in this one right here, the sharing concerns model. The one that comes and says, "Brothers, I'm sharing a concern with you," and that brother goes and he takes it and he goes and he prays about it and he comes back. He says, "I've thought about that and I think you're right, and I've changed my mind." That's the that that is. There's a beauty in that. There's a power in that. And that that that's a huge. You can call it the tap on the shoulder method. method. Hey, guy, brother, I tap you on the shoulder and say, "Can can we talk?" and you go out and you talk, and he builds conviction, and there's a respect for the brotherhood. And, and uh, you know, the next time that brother, that sister, who has built their own convictions through the sharing concerns model, has to face another decision, he's going to have within himself the power to do it. He's not going to just have a may-may-not model that he can go by. And, And, you know, a lot of times the temptation is, if you get a concern shared with you, you say, well, I want to pull it back over here to this side. I want to know. Just tell me, may I or may I not? Well, wait a minute. These are two different models. Leave it over here. Deal with it as a sharing concern. Don't try to immediately pull it into the may or may not. I just got it. you know, just, just, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful thing when we can learn to communicate with each other, share concerns, build our own convictions. It's powerful. Okay. Point number seven. We're skeptical of the world's technologies and entertainment. There has been a huge influx of so many options when it comes to technology, entertainment, uh, computers, and, and everything. There's, In fact, there's so many that it would be difficult. People have tried, but it would be really difficult to make enough standards to keep up. The moment you see this app and try to deal with it, then another one comes in, and then the app that you already said has a little loophole. It just, it's its an endless thing. And it's somehow, but somehow, let me just say it this way. We at Valley Christian Fellowship are skeptical. This world, through technology, is infiltrating the the, the church in a powerful way. It's a tsunami. It's going to kill a lot of people. It's going to wreck a lot of lives for eternity. Doesn't mean we don't have a choice. Doesn't mean we don't have a choice as a group. Doesn't mean we don't have a choice individually. But it's gonna swallow a lot of people. I still think, I still wonder if the Bible talking about the time of temptation that's gonna come on the whole earth is not talking about the time we're living in through technology. I'm not sure I'm right about that, but I wonder. Here are several statements I'm going to make to you that I'm gonna to offer to you that have been a blessing in my life. And they both, they all start with the w- words, we don't. Okay, so two first two words are, we don't. And every one of these statements is more powerful when we do it together, when, you know, a whole family does it, when a whole church does it, when even a bigger than that does it. They're we don't. So here's the first one. We don't watch television. We don't watch television. Now, this was this statement, four words, it was a gift I was given growing up. We just didn't watch television. We didn't have a television in our home, but that doesn't mean we never had access to a TV. You know, we'd go on trips, and then we'd stay at a motel, and back then, about every, I think still, every motel room had a television in it. So we'd go in there, but no, it was clear. We didn't turn that thing on. We just left it alone. Now, So that was a rule I was grown up with from my father, my parents. Now here's my question to you. Could I have touched that TV without sinning? Think about that. Could I have touched it without sinning? Or could I today when I take my family in there and we say it makes the same rule? No, we're not going to touch that TV. Just leave it off the whole time. Is it possible to touch it without sinning? Turn it on. Yeah, it would be possible. I could find a weather channel. I could find something that's pretty harmless and say, okay, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to watch that. But here's what I couldn't do. I couldn't, let me ask you this question. Could I watch it without crossing a line? The answer is no. I cannot watch that TV in the motel room with my children without crossing a line that they're going to see. And so the lines I cross a little bit, the tendency is my children will cross them a whole bunch. And and so what kind of children do we want to raise? We want to raise children with grit, with self-discipline, with the ability to say no to their own desires. You know, when they are in a, all by themselves in a motel uh, or an Airbnb. And and do we want them to have the strength to say, no, I won't turn that thing on? Well, I, I decided I want my children to have that strength to sit there the whole night long. There it is staring at you, this black screen saying, hey, you know, you're bored. Turn me on. And uh, But they say no. Or they sit down on an airplane flight, you know, a fifteen hour flight all the way to Bangladesh, and you got this your own little screen, you know, with lots of movies you can choose from. You, you know, just say, No, I'm not going to turn that thing on. Or a four-hour flight to Bible score, whatever it is. You know, you got your own little movie, right, a movie screen right there in front of you. Do we want children to have the guts that say to say, No, I'm going to leave that off the entire flight? Is that the kind of children we want to raise? You know, if if they don't have the guts for that, they probably don't have the the, the they're not probably not prepared to carry a cell phone around in their pocket that's probably true and um th- you know to handle that kind of a temptation because now on a smartphone you can just have just about everything that's on what used to be on TV and and so forth so that was a we don't that I was handed we don't watch television okay here's another one we don't listen to the radio i was handed that as a child as well and um you know maybe you say well i don't know what i think about that well here's a there's a Resource you can access. Denny Kennison has, sto- has a has a has uh, a sermon called "The Dangers of the Christian Radio." It's been a long time since I listened to it, but uh, if you want to listen to that, be educated on that. It was a um, it was it was a good good message, and that's that's a Christian radio. Now, what about the secular radio and so forth? But again, this was things I was handed, and I'm trying to hand on to my children. And it's uh, it's not been perfect. They I don't think my children would ever say no. Dad's never turned on a TV. I don't think they would say dad's never turned on a radio. But it's a principle. It's a it's a something I'm I'm trying anyway. Here's another one that I'm experimenting with. We don't watch movies. I uh, my children have heard me say that statement. We don't watch movies. Now the problem is my children know that that's not exclusively true. That we never have watched movies because we have. There's been times. Yeah, we've. You know, put, put on a movie and, uh, it was, it was, uh, you know, we try to block it off when the, the bad parts come, you know, and things like that. But, um, they know that we've watched some, but they've also heard me say that statement. And so it's, it's kind of something new for our family. It's something we're experimenting with. But, you know, in the, in the movies I have watched, there's some things that, I, that I've observed. They're extremely, extremely enjoyable. And with that, enjoyableness. They're extremely addicting. And it's a way of telling a story that's more exciting than sitting down and reading a book. And it's its just, you know, a book just doesn't cut it. Um, I also noticed that there are so many good ones. If I tried to just weed out the, you know, the, the bad ones, just, okay, just want to look at the good ones. They're, they're always coming out with new movies and I, I could never keep up. But if I could keep up and if I had the, if I allowed myself the freedom to do it, I could probably take a year off work and do nothing but watch movies and enjoy every minute of it, you know, for, for the next year or two. And, uh, another thing I've observed. These are just things I've observed. My watching movies is going to make it harder for people around me who are trying to abstain from them. Here's another thing I observed, that it can lead to other things. Gary Miller's book, he talks about youth groups in conservative churches that are getting together to watch movies together. Not to play volleyball, not to do, but to, to watch movies together. I thought, wow, if that's the way this is going to lead, I don't really want to have any part of that. Now, we tried to stick with, again, clean or Christian movies, but here's one of the, another thing I noticed, that even the Christian ones, they tried to sneak in these little off-color remarks, these little jokes, these little um, mild pornography. You say, wait a minute, brother, you're, you're getting too... Okay, wait. Kissing scenes, unmarried actor, unmarried actress, and they're kissing together. You say, well, that's not pornography. Well, look at the definition of pornography, and maybe you'll change your mind, because... Uh, Anyway, that's a whole other discussion. But um, anyway, they, they'd sneak those things in. Of course, we you know we're we're a Christian families. We're not gonna we're not gonna watch anything bad. But um, think about that. I remember. Well, let me say one more thing. We don't we don't have unfiltered smartphones and computers. And uh, again, this is our family, and, and thankfully a number of you have have joined me in this. And we've said we've said, hey, we're we're gonna have filters and we're gonna have accountability and so forth. I remember. Back when I was uh, a teenager, I was 19 years old. We went to Belize, Central America, for two years. And it was a hard time for me to be in Central America because my social life was going full, st- full steam and I loved being with my friends. Well, I came back to the States, here to Oregon. And I was once again with my friends where I wanted to be. My parents were still down in Belize for a couple of months. And my only relative, my only family member that was here was my sister, and she was six hours away in La Grand. So we were here, we were doing harvest, and I just decided, we just decided, hey, let's, let's go to La Grande. So we jumped in a car, might have been my car, I don't remember. And some of my very closest friends, and headed six hours away to La If I mess up some details, I apologize, but I'm telling it as clearly as I can remember. Well, we got about a third of the way there to a little town called Troutdale. Well, there's a couple trout, uh, truck stops in Troutdale, Oregon. And we went into this truck stop. Like, this is normal, natural. Grab, grab a snack, get some fuel. We're on our way. But my friends, they said, hey, where'd a truck stop? Truck stops back then, anyway, I don't know if they still do or not, but have movie rooms. And movie rooms are dark. They have no windows. They have chairs and big screen in the front. And you can rent these movies for, I don't know, $5.95. And you can watch any movie you want to watch. And so they started looking down over the list. And I could tell they kind of, it seemed like they'd done this before. They knew it was there. And, uh, well, I was kind of surprised, well, well, you know, maybe this is interesting, I don't know, what, what are we can going to do with this, so, um, you know, as far as the church was concerned, clearly something they weren't supposed to do, I don't know if it was actually written in the standard or not, but clearly something parents would not have approved of, but, you know, eventually they decided, we're going to rent a movie and we're going to go watch this, and I think I maybe poked my nose in the room a little bit, but somehow I just didn't feel comfortable, and uh, i just decided hey you know guys i'll just go sit in the car while you guys watch this movie so we did i sat in the car i don't know if it took an hour or what pretty soon they came back out and didn't say anything more about it except there was a little bit of a of a passing comment yeah there was some immorality on there it wasn't that tech, you know that, not 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 that clean of but anyway there it was some immorality on that movie and i pretty much forgot about that incident you know we went over to le grand had a nice visit with my sister came back and it was you know, probably 20 years, and I, before I ever even remembered that that thing had happened. I mean, if you would have told me, hey, do you remember? Sure. But, you know, it was never, it wasn't there in front of my, um, mind all this time. But then, one of my friends, one that was with me, he said, hey, Roger, you've always been kind of the guy, 20 years later, you, you just kind of stand alone and do your own thing. What do you mean? Well, like, you'd be the guy that would sit out in the car while the rest of us go in the truck stop and watch movies. I thought, what? That maybe happened one time. I, I don't remember that happening. Anyway, but it stuck in his mind. Another friend. Hey, I, I know for years I wasn't living right. I was on my way to hell and I didn't care. And uh, a, a third friend from a distant state. Get a call. Hey, um, I just wanted to apologize for something. I, I've, I've had this ongoing struggle with Pornography. And I just wanted to, I want to put an end to it completely and so I'm going back and making things right. Do you remember that time that we were, we were, you know, on, there at that truck stop and, and we went and in and watched a movie and you sat out in the car. And, uh, he says, I just want to apologize to that and I'm saying, I'm done with this pornography, I'm done with, with all this. And, uh, I said, oh sure, I forgive you, no problem. It stuck in their minds more than it stuck in my mind. And I say that story not to say, hey, I've always made these right choices. For every one of those choices, I could probably tell you, you know, others that I didn't make the right choice. I went along with what was happening at the time. and uh, But, but, you know, it has an effect not just on our own lives. It has an effect on those around us. I've talked about things we don't do. But the Christian life and Valley Christian Fellowship is not just about the things that we don't do. It's about things that we do do. We pray together. We take new territory through prayer. We share the gospel. We share it locally. We go to nursing homes. We go to public events and hand out gospel tracts. We give to those in need, maybe through an organization, maybe through food blankets or, you know, parcels or whatever. We go to faraway places like Romania, Mexico, Ukraine. We seek to establish His kingdom and His righteousness. Hebrews twelve twenty eight in closing says, Therefore, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So again, I want to just say thank you, everyone that's here. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being part of VCF in some way, whether it's a member, whether it's a visitor. We trust your time with us will be a blessing to you, a blessing to your family, a blessing to God and to his kingdom. God bless you all.